The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. All right, guys, this is not going to be long, but I wanted to share some thoughts on hospitality, some scratch notes on Hebrews 13. This is part two in our Work is Intimacy series, and probably part seven or eight, uh, kind of in our broader Work as series. We talked about work as worship, work as freedom, and now we're talking about work as intimacy. And it sounds kind of weird to bridge work and intimacy, let alone work and faith together. However, I believe it's possible to do that through the lens of humility, honesty, and vulnerability. So now there's another layer, and this is a kind of a bonus layer. I didn't anticipate coming here or or cutting this pod uh, when the week started, but as I've contemplated Hebrews 13, it's just, it's funny. You just read the word and suddenly you get new ideas and new tangents come to mind. And sometimes it hits home, like literally close to home where you're having community and uh, your church family and topics that are being brought up there um, with fellow staff members, uh, just some uh, secondhand conversations and you realize, oh, this is part of a bigger issue, um, and you just got to go to the Word on it. And then for me, as you know, I have to write. Part of me breathing, part of me living is writing. So um, I've been, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, I don't want to write an official formal post. (laughs) Just rather do some scratch, no variety. So that's why I, uh, every now and then, at least in the last couple months, I've been doing more of these type of posts where I'm just getting ideas out, and I'll clean them up, and maybe you could use them for a Bible study you're doing at your church. Uh, but that's the, that's the point. So we're in hospitality. The core references, Hebrews 13, uh, 2, 15, and 16. I guess you could also start in verse 1. So those four verses of, of Hebrews 13, and then our supportive references, which I'm not going to get to tonight entirely, but it's 1 Peter 4, 9, Romans 12, 13, 1 Timothy 5, 10, Acts 28, 2. There's more, but uh, those are some of the ones that... I've been chewing on lately. So keyword hospitality, communal goals of hospitality. There's three that I want to put out there, and this is an interactive dialogue we're having. This is not just a pod, so feel free to add more and leave some feedback and some uh, comments where possible. Uh, But making God accessible to people, helping people connect to God's love, seeing their love by God identity, that's that's the same point. Uh, That's point number two. And the last point, extending fellowship to all men the weary, broken, lost, searching, etc. So those are, if I had to choose three goals, and I know we could, there's more than three that we could adhere to, but those are the three that come to mind. You want to make God plain to people and accessible, not just evident um, through conversation, not just two-dimensional, if you will, uh, through what we tell them we believe, but three-dimensional as in we're, they're experiencing God as we experience them. Um, as interrelationships are built. Easier said than done, but um, sometimes we have to love people first. Often, sorry, we have to love people first um, if they're going to connect to the God's love in us. Uh, There's a manifestation of God's love um, that comes down to practical life choices, practical decisions to show compassion and kindness and benevolence to one another. And hospitality is that avenue in one word. Um, but hospitality really is a versatile word. 
so we're going to unpack a little bit tonight. So the context of hospitality, there are many contexts behind hospitality in Scripture. We only have time for three of them tonight. And they're not the three first ones that you would probably think of. Um, so this is why we're going to come back to this topic in the future. But welcoming, intimacy, and suffering are three contexts of hospitality we, we find in Scripture. Welcoming can be seen as greeting, receiving, intimacy, kind of like we talked about last week, that representing honesty, transparency, vulnerability. Suffering is probably one I'm going to talk about most tonight because it's one that, like, how does suffering... And hospitality go together. Well, let's talk about uh, welcoming first. Uh, welcoming and receiving. Our hospitality should radiate and reflect eagerness, enthusiasm, even intercession. The kind of part that says, we're ready for you when you get here because we thought about you before you arrived. And that is coming out of a recent staff meeting at the, the Gate Community Church. We're prepping for two services. We hospitality has been a key buzzword for us lately as far as how do we go from one service to two long story short i'm not going to get into the weeds of that but that is context for that's context behind the context um but if you embrace this posture again we're ready for you when you get here because we thought about you before you arrived i know that seems specific to greeting people at the door at church but it's also greeting people at work it's pre- it's preparing our hearts to receive them on a day-to-day basis it's not just uh, in a liturgical setting, this could I want you guys to see that and how it applies to the marketplace as well. We embrace this posture. We allow prayer to invade both our heart to serve and our anticipation to serve. Again, more on that uh, in future posts. With intimacy, especially when engaged corporately, our hospitality should be seen as a lead-in, helping people realize God is closer to them than they think. Ideally, Christ in us is not only evident, but something that is interactive. Continually and consistently, uh, the fine qualities he's maturing within us, that's something that's on uh, not just display uh, idly, but something that is being, there's a transactional element where we're uh, like almost handing off the baton. Like, you know, this this component of God's love, we could call it the kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I am giving this willingly to you. I'm sharing this with you so that you can feel the tangible joy of God, uh, that you'd be encouraged perhaps to not only receive, but go and do likewise to other people and becomes contagious. Just an example. Uh, For many of the saints, uh, on the safe side of things, we are more wired to touch people, not just serve people, but impact people. um, We're more equipped for this than we think, since we're not only closer to God, but in Christ, in community. The theology of inness is really interesting. Paul uses that preposition frequently. Um, he uses a lot of prepositions uh, regularly, but in is one that I believe if he had to choose one, it would be his favorite. Um, I'm not saying it has to be your favorite, but we have to understand that Christ is in us, but we are also in Christ. Um, we are in community with one another. We're not just among it or surrounded by it. We shouldn't want to be content in being near to community, uh, but being an integral part, being a part of the body. And Christ took the same posture with us. So dare to ask yourselves, am I in where I need to be? And is Christ in me, even more importantly? Uh, in the context of suffering, our hospitality 
is an overflow of having received our made in Christ identity in the renewing of our minds. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, which is, interestingly, the chapter before Hebrews 13. We see this through the Jesus pattern in Scripture. From pre-ministry to cross, Jesus continually allowed suffering to define new depths of intimacy, particularly with his relationship with the Father. Even when he didn't understand or like the strength, Jesus never stopped pursuing the Father's heart, getting away, breaking free to engage him, to reference him, to yield to him, knowing it was key to serving and saving people. Saving people was never detached from any of what Jesus said and did. But how does it apply to the real world? What's interesting about the context of suffering is usually we're, there's, a, there's a God problem behind the scenes that is impacting how we see uh, people, situations, circumstances that we're, we're dealing with. And a lot of times we feel detached. It's not so much God detaching from us, but we may not always sense the fullness of God's presence. See Gethsemane. Sorry, that could be a tongue twister for me. Um, but anyway, that doesn't mean our grief is the stronger reality or that our souls are being abandoned. See Psalm 16. Rather, as we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, when God's presence lifts from Jesus as he's preparing all parts of his body, mind, and soul to enter into the culmination of sacrifice, we should see suffering as an invitation to reach up, to stand at the door of God's heart and knock into deeper places of vulnerability. That's what Jesus did at Gethsemane. It's a perfect model. You know, Jesus wrestled with his humanity. It's one of the many reasons why I find myself gravitating towards that moment. He's in community with his disciples too, which, you know, the disciples, they're kind of, yeah, they may be slacking off, they're tired. Yes, we're all tired, right? Um, but still, there's, there's a communal aspect. Jesus didn't break away, detaching himself from community, uh, even when he felt pain or he, his, his heart was troubled. Uh, he kept that engaged, but there was that vertical and horizontal component, the horizontal with his disciples, the vertical with God the Father. Um, he didn't get discouraged when he felt the fullness of God's presence lift. He just went after it. You know, it almost just like aligned his posture up. It, um, it, it prompted him to, to go, to think up, to, to act up, to live up. And you know, how awesome it is to think that that moment in time not only provides a you know, emphasizes the direction of our worship, but provides a hospitality word picture at the same time. So that's pretty cool to think about. Um, and, you know, in Jesus' case, when he asked God to remove the cup, he finds the strength to embrace grief as an instrument of redemption. To him, not only you know, was persevering through suffering a joy, but the suffering itself, which that is next level. That's so tough to wrap our minds around because how in the world can suffering be synonymous with the joy of the Lord is strength. But we've talked about here in the past, you know, we're we're not supposed to shun our weakness or deny it. We resist the enemy, but we receive our weakness knowing the cross has purpose. The cross, you know, was about to happen in this moment. The salvation of humanity, the redemption of humanity, the restoration, reconciliation, I could go on. You know, this was a the most important crossroads. And so, warring through our pain, warring through our suffering can lead to deeper places of intimacy and how it pertains to hospitality is when we choose joy in those moments of, of grief there's, you know, that's part one, what's part two? Because there's again, there's people all around us 
we even if it's just our family members, our immediate family members, you know, we want to withdraw and like, you know, don't talk to me, don't look at me until I get my act together. Well, we're tapping into the deeper places of God's heart and there's supernatural strength that's starting to overflow as we daughter ourselves in those uh, dark places. Uh, I actually think we would, we should want to be around people and show kindness and compassion, not as a coping mechanism, not to kind of just, again, deny and resist our pain, but because um, it's just an overflow of God's love. It's like even more so, I'm propelled to rely on the Lord in this moment. And as I rely on the Lord, that turns, that gets the water stirring within even more. So that speeds up the current. And that actually, when I, talk, when I say overflow, it projects more goodness out onto others. And we should see that um, as a reality as something that is not just possible, something that will happen. Um, but it only we can we can only really experience that when we consider our new nature identity um, and how it connects to God's mystery reconciliation, as it, uh, Paul talks about in Second Corinthians five. Um, but we know in this life there will be trials, and tribulations; they will come. Persecutions of all kinds will come, and we also know that divine appointments also come with them. They're not mutually exclusive or are contained in a vacuum. So just like Christ, the joy set before us can manifest as hospitality through pain, even as we're transformed into Christ's likeness. We may not have it all together. We may be far from perfect. Maybe baby Christians. That's what's so cool. We could still join forces in hospitality, kindness and compassion coming together, intersecting. You know, serve one another should not be a means we endure pain, but a way we love in pain. So cue the... Uh, the woe memes uh, and gifts from, um, oh, what's that movie with Keanu Reeves? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Put that on the blog. So, um, a related tangent, something that I posted even before I even thought about writing this, going back to last week. If you're stuck, this is kind of like a, a mini Cam's Corner here. Uh, for those stuck in the muck emotionally and or situationally, again, Gethsemane, Mark 14, 30 through 30, the passage. With Peter, James, and John by his side, Jesus could have denied what he was feeling internally. Father, remove this cup from me. Hard stop. But as we find, rather than resist the tension welling within, Jesus leans into his fear, allowing a tent of faith, a specific kind of faith, to not only confront it, but diffuse it. I.e., yet not my will, but your will be done. And this punctuates in the line posture up vertically to the Father. Uh, one of the books I've been reading lately, Kirk Byron Jones, and then uh, his book Addicted to Hurry came out maybe 15-ish years ago. Still really relevant today. It, it's not outdated, the principles he talks about. Um, he says, unlike Jesus, we tend to be afraid of our fears. We deny them sometimes in the name of Jesus as opposed to confronting them in the manner of Jesus. You have to chew on that, right? Well, chew on this too, because this is my commentary thinking about that. When we experience trials and tribulations, let's be mindful to resist the enemy and surrender our fear, not resist the pain and surrender to the enemy. Selah. So, I haven't mentioned Hebrews 13 yet, so let's get in, because I'm already at the 15-minute mark, and I said it would be 15 minutes, or at least hinted at that. Uh, this is probably going to be, we'll go to 20 tonight. Uh, I love how Hebrews 13 captures that sacrificial aspect of hospitality. So let's actually set it up uh, in verse 1. In my notes, I have two, but I thankfully, I could easily access an app on here. Um, 
In the message, stay on good terms with each other, help, uh, held together by love, be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. Amplified, do not neglect, uh, this is verse 2 in the Amplified, do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers, especially among the family of believers, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Jumping to verse 15, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the first fruits or the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 16, message, Make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with each other. Kind of reminds me of Acts 4. You know, have things in common with one another. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of, quote, sacrifice, unquote, that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. When you combine those Hebrew passages with those supportive references in 1 Peter Romans, 1 Timothy and Acts, um, you can see them in the blog or kind uh, of go back to the one, two minute mark of this po uh, podcast. This is what you get. I think this is how we can summarize hospitality. Contribute to one another's needs through grateful giving. Seek compassion as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of praise. Don't worry about your reputation, but let selfless care speak for itself. Wash the feet of the saints and keep the door open for strangers. Whatever they're going through, you have something to offer as partners in the divine. What can't be seen, you are making it seen. Even when you're outside your element, let extraordinary kindness kindle a fire for the jury and heavy laden. So all these verses I'll unpack more because, uh, again, this is scratch note only content. But I will leave with this. The bottom line of hospitality, the bottom line as it uh, is marinating my heart at the moment, through practical acts of kindness, whether intentional or random, Realize the table you're setting for God to show up and showcase his greatness. The parts of his nature where to taste and see is good. And help others taste and see. <laughs> that it's likewise good. So say you could say a lot on that. Actually, I might be wrapping this up before the 20 minute mark. That's cool. So that's all I got for tonight. Um, just something to chew on. Uh, hopefully, you guys are able to have a more well-rounded, expanded uh, understanding of what hospitality is. Um, those chords, supportive references. Uh, again, they're not the only Bible verses that talk about hospitality, but it's a solid foundation. It's uh, where I would suggest starting if you were to systematically approach uh, some research on it. Um, but these don't really get into the story, the, the, the narratives in the Bible where hospitality is being displayed. This is more the conceptual passages. So I encourage you to do your own research. Um, I would also... Uh, Go back to the communal goals in the context of hospitality and see what else you can discover for yourself and add on to the list that I've already uh, made known here. And the point of this is to expand over time, not just, you know, this is this is a fine a set list. Uh, I hope to broaden this out and flesh it out uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Although I will say, on a personal note, uh, we have Baby Milo coming next month. So... Expect kind of a downtick in the amount of posts, both written and audio, that go out. I will try my best, but um, our family's expanding, and there's going to be some some awesome moments, but some some growing pains, good and bad, um, uh, to kind of troubleshoot as we get ready for a family of five here in the Fry household. So be praying for us. Uh, but on that note, if there's anything we could be praying for you in, feel free to drop us a DM, uh, contact us any way you feel 
letter, um, we would love to be there for you and support you any way we can. Uh, if not, we pray God's highest and blessings over your life um, as you go forth, uh, both at home and workplace and never, at church and all points in between, that you will be empowered to uh, share in the richness of God's love, share in the riches of His highest, that you will know that highest and be able to um, tap into that fragrant offering, the sacrifice of praise, not just with hospitality, but knowing you say and do, to see that as a, as a love offering to God and just watch Him through by His Spirit just overflow in abundance uh, you are an instrument you are an ambassador of christ don't forget uh, your identity um, as you make it your mission to partner with christ so all right that's all i got hope you have a wonderful rest of the week a great weekend and i'll catch you on the fry peace